Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Well, good morning, Millwall fans all around the globe. You are listening to Achtung Millwall, which is the number one Millwall podcast. And my name is Nick Hart. Well, here we are, two league games into the 2014-15 championship season. And the Lions are bestriding the championship table in joint top position. Rather like the Colossus of Rhodes used to, but in our case, probably that's the Colossus of the Alderton Road. Yes indeed, listeners, two fantastic wins against named opposition has been a wonderful start to the, to the new campaign. Now we've got a packed programme for you today. First up we've got some live footage from Craven Cottage yesterday afternoon between myself and a new name to the show, Mark Litchfield, and also his dad, Sean. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We've then got a review of the mill scene with a previous co-host, Charlie Mahoney. We've got your messages and phone calls left on the Actung Mill voicemail. Keep those coming in, by the way. And finally, a little opinion piece, a little political piece that I did following the controversy last week over the Leeds United chanting and also Ian Holloway's reaction to that. So there you got it. This is Achtung Mill 9. And now we're going to rewind the clock by 24 hours. Back to West London yesterday for Mill's excellent 1-0 win over the Cottagers. Enjoy! This is a 
second attempt to record Aston Millwall with me is my new co-host live with me live at Craven College Charles Bishop and Mitch Mark Mitchell. Good afternoon everybody As you can hear they do some sound very neutral here today it's back from the rafters 4,000, 5,000 Millwall fans Uh, I take a point, but I think we're capable of winning this one already. We'll see how it goes on. We'll pull back. Here come the two teams. Have a listen to this. Nice. I don't really think Fulham knows what's hit it. There's some old doors down the balcony of the Corbin Cottage. Looks like normally strawberries and cream or pins over there. And today they've got 5,000 lunatics in the away ends. Quite the culture shock, I think, for me. Uh, the 13 years of Premiership days. Unchanged side from last week's 2 0 win over Leeds. Mind you, unbeaten in nine games if you go back to last, the end of last season, Mark. Not bad record. Promotions, promotion form. <laughs> a bit too early for that. I'll take mid table this season, but listen, it'd be nice to make it around 10 today. Huge image of Felix McGatt on screen. Now, you're too young to remember another TV reference. We've had, we've had Diddy David Hamill already, but Super Squirrel can't understand you. Before my time, but I've seen many, many pictures, so I'm fully aware of who you're talking about. Fully aware. Very close resemblance to the Rock on Mall business. And the game's underway. Mill kick off. Attacking what is, I think, called the Hammersmith end. I noticed last week we pressed quite high up the pitch, Mark. We seem to be doing the same again today. Pressing quite, quite far forward.
fantastic cross, great play. Playing some good football, it looks a lot better than this time last year, that's for sure. We seem a lot more positive in front of goal as well this season. I think we were scared to shoot at times last season. Yeah. But, uh, That's getting strong readings. Only, only Princess Diana is going to supersede this. <laughs> the Geiger counter's going off the scale now, Mark. <laughs> this is a new experience for Fulham, I can tell you that much. <laughs> Guessing away and breaks the move up. Really, really nice stuff there. Was it? Yeah. Very nice move. One touch as well. We're 21 minutes into the game, Mark, and we're looking pretty sad at the moment. So far, so far, but just one defensive lapse can change things, obviously. But Well, 30 minutes, Mark. Fulham's main threat, long balls. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say the same thing, actually. We're restricting them to long ball a lot. Um, a lot's going through Scott Parker at the moment. Yeah, but as you'd expect. Yeah, but after that, it seems to fizzle out, which is good news. We're largely in control at the moment. Very much so. Good to see. The table tonight for win this. <laughs> Mark Mitchell just sends fate. We've <laughs> chopped the table talk. <laughs> Lee Martin takes and it comes long, long, nodded back. Arthur Seals getting on the end of that. It falls to Malone who shoots. Tips over the bar. Nice shot. Nice shot. Nice dipping Malone shot. 35 minutes gone. 36 coming up. Put him knocking the ball back in the modern style inside their own half. Playing it around. First eight minutes coming up on the clock. Another corner. I've had a lot of in this half. Little crowd roaring the There's a little bit of full and pressure going on at the moment. Quite a lot of corners well, in this half. They're going to have the 10 minutes, so it's just, you know, can we ride it out? Yeah. We, well, I'll tell you after this corner what I was going to say. Here it comes. It seems finish. to be riding it out so far. Very fantastically skillful player, Edwards, isn't he? The player of his age, Mark, 35 years old. Tell you what, if I'm, well... I don't play right back, but if I could play right back as well as him, I'd be. It was a beautiful turn he did there. That's about the classiest ball back we've had in years. Very, very much so. It does make you wonder why Ipswich let him go. They must have a fantastic right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is right back then. We'll find out very, very soon when we go there. There's Scott Parker coming towards his shoots. Over. To the division, that's a division of the Norwegian Making moves, move remarks in his direction. Martin giving a 50 50 ball as he wins. I tell you what, Lee Martin's doing the work out there, Mark. Doing Fantastic. Work. So different to sort of beginning of the last season where he didn't really look that interested, if he asked me. He's a fair player, but he's certainly doing the hard work. Yeah, most definitely. He covers Malone as well, um, and then obviously Malone 
bothers him on the attack. He's given a 50-50 ball where he put the tackle in. Carlos it looks, will... a good, looks a good partnership down the left then, too. I think that could blossom into something pretty good. Crawford now. Cuts into it. Bolton made from this distance. I'd have given it. Half time. 1 0 Millwall. Nice, nice stuff from Millwall. Play the ball in the ball. Felix McGurk's strolling. I feel like he's going through a stroll on the promenade at the seaside. Oh, it's nice to sit down. Fuck knows how I used to stand up for 90 minutes in the old days, Mark. I'll tell you that. Good off, Mill in control. So, Overall, yeah. they look dangerous when they're getting hit in the long ball forwards. But apart from that, I thought we looked pretty much. We look, we look like a, we look like a unit defensively, you know, as, as opposed to this time last year, for example, under uh, he who must not be named. Yes. Um, we looked at sixes and sevens when, yeah. the, when the opposition team come forward. We didn't know what to do, but we all defend as a unit now. You know, sort of Wolford um, covers Edwards, yeah. Martin covers Malone. Vice versa on the attack, and we just look a team. Now, they're playing very much in the, the, the Premiership style, possession a lot in their own half, keeping the ball, knocking hopefully from their point of view a decisive long ball forwards. But we're retaining their shape nicely. I mean, again, going backwards, we were panicked. There was something would yeah. happen. We would have lost lost our shape, Definitely. but we're keeping our shape very well. We lost so many sloppy goals uh, yeah. under Lomas, yeah. uh, but we don't look like doing that now. We just don't look like doing. We're good value for one 0 half time, listeners. Chap a few seats away from me, berating the announcer for not announcing the uh, Fulham v Millwall score, which is, of course, Fulham nil, Millwall 1. The violometer registered there, Mark. <laughs> Going to run a few celebrity Fulham supporters past you, Mark. So we've got um, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant, Fulham supporter. Keith Allen. Jack Regan out of Sweeney. You're too young to remember the Sweeney. Jack Regan was always averse to dragging Dennis Waterman to Fulham. A little bit of TV trivia for you there, listeners. Wolfie Smith, the um, what's that programme called? Wolfie Smith, Freedom for Tooting. Citizen Smith, Citizen Smith. I'm bombarding with 70s comedy here, Mark. You're way too young for this, mate. Tony Curtis, is allegedly, was a Fulham fan, according to Wikipedia. I don't believe that. Daniel Ratcliffe, Daniel Ratcliffe, football fan. Daniel Ratcliffe, Daniel Ratcliffe, Harry Potter. Have a Harry Fulham fan. Oh, he's a fan here, is he? Richard Osman, the bloke off of um, the TV quiz, was a ca- not countdown. Uh, pointless. Pointless. All oh, right. Yeah, the big fella, the big yeah. tall fella. And John O'Farrell. I don't know who John O'Farrell is. Never heard of him. So he can't be that much of a celebrity. Say the old joke, Sean. Well, the old joke is, a fella walks into a barber's and he said, I want a Tony Curtis haircut. And when it's done, he looks in the mirror and he says, I don't look a bit like Tony Curtis. The bloke said, well, if Tony Curtis come in here, he'd look just as fucking bad. <laughs> Gag for the older school now, I think. <laughs> Go on, a question. Who is the very old, whether he's still alive, number six, who came from West Ham and played in the white shirt with a blue band? There's a question for you, listeners. Phone in your answers. We'll have it on next week's show. Um, I'm going to switch off the recording so Sean can tell me the answer to the question. So if you know the answer to that question, email us or phone us with the answer. And I'll pick a name at random and we'll give you a T-shirt as a prize. So here we are. Team's out for the second half. Looks like Fulham bringing it. Was that Ross McCormack? Ross McCormack, I think. Yeah, 40, 44, is that right? Yeah. 11 million pounds of a striker. Yeah. Here we go. 
Is that Vanessa Fultz, isn't it? No, maybe not. There's a lady, a mature lady. The 23 shoots. Clear, but fantastic save by David Paul. 47 minutes on the clock. My attention is drawn to the. I believe they're called MILF, Mark. Are they MILFs? I think so, yeah. Younger, younger, younger people. Official term, yeah. In the, in the cottage. Um, meanwhile, the, the Fulham 20 had a shot on goal, which David Ford did well to block. Wolford just took a nasty challenge in midfield. Mill pressing very, very high up again. Wolford put in the tackle in, but took a, a knock on his shin for his pleasure. This is 15 minutes gone, and he's still down on the floor at the moment as we speak. It's Fulham out. Physically holding on to him. Full of pieces, man's in the penalty area. The man. And he gets the free kick the other way. The man is an absolute liar. How strong is that man? I'll tell you. Maybe strong, but he's being held all over the place, and that was a penalty for that. Fans clearly disagreeing with that non-penalty call there. Mill back on the attack. It's Sean Williams back inside. Ricardo Fuller collects. Knocked inside is McDonald. Malone! Oh. Malone free inside the penalty here. The, the full goalkeeper um, kicked it away. Clear chance. Probably should have scored. Fulham come forwards. Look long. The 44 is inside. The Fantastic save by David Ford there. 44 was clean through. That's Mc, uh, McCormack. Fulham on the attack now. In the mill penalty area, it's not across. Off the line, off the line. Fuck me. Off the line. I couldn't see who it was from this distance. Right, done. Might be done again. I don't know. I've had it confirmed it was done. It was off the line. Done again, then, listeners. There's two goal line clearances in a week. The 20 shot clock again. Some nasty spot going on there. Just a bit of an edgy sense at the moment. The Fulham are playing um, with, a, with a higher tempo, more skill. Mill just starting to look a little bit ragged at times, Mark. Well, they do, Fulham are doing what they should be doing as the home side. Um, and, yeah, we're hanging on, but... Still one nil. Still one yeah, we're, so we're hanging on well. We're not hanging on by a thread. We're hanging on well. I've lost count of how many corners we've conceded. Fordy's doing his nut there, and I think he's right. I think the last touch come off of Fulham, man, now. Fulham 14 coming through. He's through into the penalty area. It's blocked again. By David Ball, fantastic save. They must be up near 20 odd corners. They seem to have a huge amount of corners in this game. Hell of a lot of pressure, but we are, as I say, we are soaking it out well. Yeah. We don't look in danger. We're solid defensively, very solid at the moment. So don't worry, listeners. Mark says we're soaking up pressure. <laughs> pressure. No bother, no bother. Cue the 91st minute equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> they're getting a lot of possession at the moment. We're not being very savvy about the way they're using the ball coming out of defence. Ten more minutes of this. We've got Real hanging on slightly at the moment. Grimley holding on to a one-goal lead. Fulham with all the pressure. In there on the attack again. Fulham's loose. Every second of this countdown is hurting me, Mark. <laughs> we were soaking it up, but we're now hanging on. We're definitely hanging on, but only four and a half minutes to go. This will be last show saloon for Fulham. Punches forwards into the mill penalty area. Bubbles up high, still knocking around down there. They've still got possession. Blocked and high over the bar. High over the bar from distance. That should be last chance. Yes! Full time, ladies and gentlemen. Full of nil. 
to that mate, Millwall. But now no worries, there's a group of like-minded Aussie Millwall fans that want to hear from you. The Millwall Down Under group are based in Sydney, but have Lions fans from all over us. They're looking for new members for regular get-togethers and five-a-side tournaments, all against other expat British football fans. So now you don't have to leave your heart at Coldwell Lane, because Millwall are down under too. How do you get in touch then? Google search the football fans down under website, or easier still, email bondilion at gmail.com. Rip up. All right, welcome back to the show, and welcome, big welcome to um, our now regular um, co-host, Charlie Mahoney. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Hello, mate. How are you doing? You all right? Well, I'm fantastic. What a fantastic day that was today, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it was one of the most complete performances I've I've seen in a while, to be honest. Yeah, I thought it was totally professional, to be honest. That's that's probably the word I'd use to describe it, professional, because there were moments when, you know, our ball retention wasn't the best and we was absorbing a lot of pressure, but we did what we had to do and I certainly think that's how Holloway had set us out. So yeah, yeah it just it just seemed like a complete success in the way that we approached the game tactically. I mean, certainly it's the best start. I mean, given the level that we're playing at and the teams that we're facing, I mean, that was a, a multi-million pound Fulham side that we're up against today and, and Leeds last week uh, were not cheap by, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. You know, um, Fulham were bringing on Ross McCormack, who I think was £11 million um, transfer they've signed. So given the, you know, the kind of difference in resources available to both sides, I, I thought that was as complete a performance as I've seen in a long while. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I I did see a little bit of technical ability in that Fulham side today. As much as there'll be 
devastated with that result and the fact that they've lost their second league game on the spin. I do think there are things there that give them a little bit of optimism just in terms of the way they pass the ball around. So Yeah, I mean, they, 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 I was saying we did a live um, bit earlier on in the show and um, I was saying earlier on that they, they play in the, what I call the modern style, a lot of passing, a lot of, you know, as you put it rightly, ball retention. Um, and they got the ball forward quite well. And I thought they had us under the cosh a little bit in the second half. Yeah. That you know, kind of long balls hit forward, but with with direction and purpose. That their number um, was it number twenty. Their striker, I thought, was causing us problems. Um, and we held on a little bit, I think. In in all fairness, um, Ford made a couple of good saves towards you know towards the end of the second half there. But um, overall, I mean, I, I thought we bossed the first half. I thought we controlled that very well. I thought some of the football we played in the first half was sublime to be honest, yeah. and uh, just an absolutely inch-perfect performance in that sense because even though Fulham did have a fair amount of possession, I definitely think we set out to absorb pressure and then just try and make them on the break and it's sort of like wonderfully encapsulated in the goal we scored. Yeah, that was a fantastic strike. I mean, I, I um, right at the very end, probably in the same part of the ground as, as myself, the away end, but, so it's hard to see from the distance that we're at. But um, Fuller retained the ball very well. I thought he was actually going to cut it back for a, a cross from you know further uh, towards the edge of the penalty area. But he did very well there, didn't he? And then got a decent cross in for Wolford. Yeah, I mean, people have had a lot to say about Fuller signing. And I can't say I was exactly thrilled given his goal-scoring record. But I did suspect that he'd offer little bits of footballing intelligence like that because of the level that he's played at. Um, and he just really looked like a seasoned, experienced striker when he put that ball across. A very strong man as well, Charlie. I mean, he, he, you know, again, last week he had a couple of these defenders on him and he had two defenders on him at times today. Um, and he was holding the ball up well, I thought. Um, a very physically strong, strong striker. I mean, it just brings me on to an interesting um, tweet that James Blewett made on, on Twitter earlier on. I don't know if you're going to agree with this. He, James was saying that we're one decent striker away from a very exciting side. Um, and I... Just going back to Fuller, I think he he did a did a real job today. I thought he did a massive job, very um you know hard working role that he's he's playing there. He just seems to I don't know if he's quite the dangerous goal scoring striker, but he's he's the hard working man up front that holds the ball well. So the implication being that we need a we need a goal scorer. We need someone that's actually going to put the ball in the net. Yeah, I totally agree with what James is saying there actually, and I think. Um... You know, as, as useful a job as Fuller's doing, I think we're lacking a little bit of mobility up front at the moment. And he's looking really isolated at times because he just hasn't got that foil, has he? No. Uh, I'm not entirely sure Easter's good enough to be starting games and I don't think he wants to rush Gregory into things. So the striker that we do sign, because Holloway's made no secret the fact that he wants one, I think is going to be imperative to how the rest of the season pans out. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. I mean, Gregory started in the week. I don't know if you went midweek against uh, Wickham in, in the League Cup. And you can see the ingredients are there, but he's by no means the finished article. So I don't think he's going to be that striker. I do think we need to bring someone else in that is more the finished article. Fuller was, was um, you know, operating as a lone striker today. And I thought we actually looked a little bit less... Um, well, I thought we were under the cosh when he went off, actually, because the ball kept coming back at us hard in that last 20 minutes or so, didn't it, once he once he left the pitch? Yeah, we, I mean, in fairness to the bloke, I mean, given his age, he's, he's being asked a, a big role. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of responsibility on him, and he looked, to be honest, he looked chagged when he went off, didn't he? So that's to be expected, but um, it also just gives another indication that we really need to enhance that department of the side. 
I was surprised when he went off Charlie. Uh, I'm interested to see what you think. Um, obviously, Easter came into the game at that point, not Gregory. And I thought Gregory for Fuller was the, you know, the um, the logical choice, given that Gregory's that much younger and probably be, you know, quicker on his feet. But um, we pushed, seemed to push Scott McDonald further forward, didn't we? And I'm just just querying that as a tactical decision in that situation. I was surprised as well because I think McDonald's been a bit of a revelation in this new role. Um, and it certainly changed the dynamic of the game once that happened. The only sort of thing that I considered when it, when those changes took place was that maybe you just felt that Gregory might be a bit overawed by the magnitude of the occasion and didn't really want to put too much pressure on him. Yeah, that's uh, possible. Yeah, I'm not a like I say, I'm not a massive believer of Easter's ability, but I think he's probably. What what Gregory has in in that sort of excitement factor, Easter has in experience. So that was probably Holloway's rationale there. Yeah, I mean it seems a little picky to to be making these points given that we've come away with a one nil win at one of the the fancied sides in in the division. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm criticising anyone, but it was just an interesting choice where I, I suppose this is what Ian Holloway's paid for, isn't he? I mean he's, he's paid for making the right choice. And um, it'll point at the result today, and that, so therefore it makes it the right the right choice. But um, no, I, I thought we might have seen Gregory coming in late into the game. Um, who, who would you take as your man of the match? And I, I said Lee Martin for me earlier on, but who's, who's your choice today, Charlie? Martin had a great game. Um, I think Ford was crucial in yes, uh, taking yes. all three points. Really impressed with Malone again today. Um, he just keeps kind of exceeding my expectations of him as a player because I, I do remember quite clearly when he first came to the club and it just didn't look like it was going to work for him and he's actually become instrumental in that side, hasn't he, really? He's a physically strong, dominating goalkeeper in the old in the old way, isn't he? Um, you know, he, he, he takes no nonsense. There was a bit of handbags in the, I think it was in the first half where the Fulham striker went in on him hard. And I think he looked like he was going to chin him at one point. <laughs> That's, yeah. You want your goalkeeper to be on the edge of being a nutcase, don't you, without actually spilling over into true madness, you know? But it's not hard to see why he's so loved down there, to be honest. No. I mean, it's just a, he's a quality shot stopper. I think a lot of people would probably look at other aspects of his play and question those at times, although he has definitely improved in those. But um, he adds something psychologically important to the side as well. And you know, at the final whistle, you saw how mad he was going. You could see how much a victory like that means to the bloke. It's a hackneyed phrase, but he does seem to get us, doesn't he, Charlie? I mean, he does seem to have an affinity with the mill support. I mean, he's been there a long time now. He's seen a lot happen, and he's one of those individuals that we've got to keep around because of just how much of a kind of stalwart he is. Like he was. I mean, we lost Robinson. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, people like Frampton, who weren't the most gifted players, but were were important to the dressing room they've also gone so it's important that we have someone who remains from that era the sort of I suppose you'd sort of describe it as the Michael Calvin era because of that brilliant book that everything yeah. at the time I want to pick out Alan Dunn as well that's another goal line clearance he made today that's two goal line clearances in a week which could have changed the game on both occasions couldn't they he just looks ridiculously comfortable in that position he's totally proved me wrong to be honest um, he's probably not the greatest choice of centre-half if he's playing against someone who's tall and physical then you might look to someone like Beavers or Shitu to be marking them mm. when he's actually being asked to play us out of trouble and 
you know, pass the ball about, then he, he's looking really sharp, and it, it's a big surprise, to be fair. Also, he's one of these players when you need to dig in and you know get into the trenches. He's he's the man for the job, isn't he? He's, he's Millwall through and through. You know, he's got the fire in his belly, and today was probably as good a show as I've seen from Alan Dunn, given the the, the level and quality of the opposition they're up against today. He's got a massive amount of composure on the ball, and I think one of Dunn's problems in the past has been where he's been shown up at fullback position. He's taken his frustration out on on certain players by getting overly physical. Um, I'm not entirely sure that's going to be much of a problem with him playing at centre half because he doesn't necessarily have to match people for pace, and he's not going to get shown up in that same manner. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Now I want to pick out another player, and I just want to read a, a, a post on the House of Fun from a bloke who calls himself Jamie Dodger. Talking about Jimmy Abdu, asking if he's back to his best. I think he's gone beyond his best because his best previous, it was in League One, and today I thought he put yeah. a real shift. But just to quote the uh, the post that Jamie's put on here, he said, what a shift that fella put in today. One of the best games I've seen him play. Could be a very important player for us this season. And I think he's got it right because Jimmy's game seems to have been ever so slightly transformed, Charlie, doesn't it? He seems a higher, you know, to be playing on a higher plane slightly. I just think he's been excellent. He's totally changed his approach to the game. Um, I think he's given Holloway a problem that he would like in as much as... He's probably only starting because Bailey's injured, but yeah, yeah. now Bailey's back to fitness. Holloway has some real decisions to make, uh, but but good, good sort, a good dilemma for him to be in. So the more options we're getting, because this isn't as big a squad as it was last season, but despite that, I'm noticing a lot of competition in all sorts of positions, and Abdu's just enhancing that at the moment. I mean, the, the the cliche is you don't change a winning side, and this is a winning side, and as long as that is a remains a winning side, then I think Jimmy's place is probably set um, I suppose if you looked at it in, in from the position of Ian Holloway you're probably going to say Nicky Bailey brings more passing ability um, that said Jimmy's not doing too bad on that front he'll never be a, a Paul Gascoigne will he but he, he, he is he's a worker he, he does the, the water carrying and he puts himself in front of players constantly don't give up He's very much like Dan he gets himself in these situations where you think his mere walker is sort of coming to an end and then you know he'll have a prolonged period out of the, the side he'll come back in and he'll just remind everyone as to why he's such a loved player down there and he keeps he keeps doing this and uh, long may it continue yeah they're both great survivors aren't they they've both been around a long while done longer than Jimmy but um, they've both been about a while and they've both had their their time written off a couple of, on a couple of occasions and they're still here so well done to both of those players today I thought you know it, it's very hard to pick out Individuals, actually, I don't know if you agree, Charlie, but it's a real team performance. But absolutely, you yeah. know, um, such is the game. We we always look for man of the match and this kind of stuff. But I really, I think there was <laughs> there was eleven or thirteen players overall that you'd pick out as men of the match because it was a fantastic, strong performance all round. Agreed. Yeah, um, I think they pushed themselves to their physical limits today because it doesn't really matter how fit any of our players are, they're going to struggle against the likes of Fulham just because when they've got the ability to keep the ball like that, it's just going to tear you apart physically and, you, you know, you've got to be on your toes right until the 90th minute. Yeah, I mean, the, the game was enhanced by the presence of, what, 5,000 Millwall fans in the stadium today, which sounded like, must have sounded like 50,000 from Fulham's perspective because the noise, as Scott Malone's tweeted, the noise was unreal, wasn't it? No, it's a fantastic atmosphere. I don't know if Fulham are usually that terrible with regards to making noise, I suspect so. But either way, I think our, 
our atmosphere would have uh, raised a few eyebrows regardless. I think, I mean, Fordy got it right in the week. He was speaking to News at Den and he said that Fulham were in for a bit of a shock, as he put it, when over at the time 4,000, I think it was about near a five actually in the stadium because the neutral zone was not was not a neutral zone today. It was, <laughs> it was a mid-wall <laughs> zone. Um, and I think it is a bit of a shock for these clubs. I mean, Fulham, it's never been a what you might call a passionate club from, from the Millwall perspective. Uh, but the Premier League doesn't seem to promote that kind of old-fashioned football support, does it? You know, I was, I was watching yeah. Arsenal v Palace briefly before you and me speaking tonight. And, you know, there just doesn't seem to be the fire in the belly there. Whereas, bring us into town and it's a totally different ball game. Well, I think um, any sort of club that's been in the Premier League for, for a long period of time, they're going to be pretty tame in their atmosphere. But especially Fulham, because to me, they seem to be like the footballing equivalent of a Richard Curtis film. So... <laughs> Yeah, they were never really going to compete with us in terms of noise today. No, I mean the the, the um, you know they've got the the uh, the, the cottage thing, the, the the pavilion or whatever you want to call it, to the side there, and there's some old deers having pims out there. You always get this kind of strawberries and cream kind of um, vibe there. You know, it doesn't seem like the, the river and the rowing club. It's just totally different to Bermondsey, isn't it? It's, it's quite remarkable to think it's the same city that we play in. Yeah, very twee, very kind of middle class location. What I say? I've been to Bermondsey Street recently and it's becoming more and more like that. So <laughs> I swear we're going to be in a few years' time. There was, there was a couple of surreal sights. I mean, there was, there was a bloke trying to flog um, half-and-half scarves, you know, these friendship scarves that you can buy nowadays, and he had Millwall and um, Fulham friendship scarves. And I thought, you've totally missed the fucking point, mate. <laughs> <laughs> fair, <laughs> when we were getting back to uh, Putney Bridge Station, I saw a couple of Fulham fans wearing them and it just screamed an attempt, you know, Please don't beat me up. Um, I don't know if that's that's where they got their purchases from, but yeah, it seemed like a ridiculous fucking idea to me. I know there were ten are going in. He knocked them down to five quid coming out, so he, he couldn't have sold too many of them. But um, so that was one surreal sight. The other surreal sight. I don't know if you walked through Bishop's Park on your way back to the underground, but there was a um, a, a Chinese couple getting married. I and... did see that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think a few references to their to their sex life were made. Um, <laughs> particular orifices were mentioned and uh yeah not sure they had the day that they were planning i think i want my money back from that wedding planner that said stage your wedding photos your post wedding photos in bishop's park at five o'clock when Millwall were turning out i mean someone's not checked their their football schedule there that's for sure yeah the photographer really needs to sort himself out needs to do their homework i think to be fair <laughs> he was all tuxedoed up and she was in the full kind of cream wedding outfit with the tripod photographer in front of him about 5,000 mil while walking past so that's going to be an interesting wedding album maybe we'll get a sign yeah. of that one day alright that's that's the that's the game today fantastic day I think we're joint top of the table Charlie aren't we at the moment we are yeah uh, two games in it's quite unbelievable to be fair I've not seen this for a while and uh, it just looked all the more remarkable compared to the Fucking horrendous start that we had last season. Yeah, that's compare and contrast, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, I I was trying to think earlier, and I can't think of a Millwall start to the season, given the the level and the quality of the opposition. I mean, all right, talk about the quality last week, but certainly the 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 money that Leeds Leeds can bring to bear and the money that Fulham can bring to bear. I can't think of a better start in my time, given who we're up against. Um, let's see. I mean, we've got a tough midweek game, and we're going up to Sheffield. Very um, true. Tough yeah. one, um, and then the home game next week against Rotherham, where the tempo will be harder to maintain. And we've had two big games in a week: Leeds and Fulham. Yeah, Rotherham had a good win today as well. I believe they beat Wolves. 
Yeah, uh, I don't think they're a slouch team at all, so they've got to be taken seriously. They've got a fair bit of money behind them as well, and even though that Steve Evans seems to be a monumental wanker, he appears to have done quite a good job there. Yeah, he's a funny bloke, and he was, was some hint of um, I don't know some jiggery pokey around him. But no, I, I dare say the West Lower will get stuck into him when he comes down. Cause he's yeah, also quite portly, isn't he? He's quite a, quite a, you know he's got a little bit of a weight thing around the middle of the of his body, so I dare say they'll draw some comment there. Yeah, a friend of mine described him a while ago as a transsexual Harry Seacombe, so uh, I don't know if they can <laughs> up on that one. Might be worth a shot. <laughs> we, need to get Kelly, we need to get Kelly Maloney on the show. That's just, just, that's full... <laughs> why I'm not through with that, so we'll probably leave. <laughs> to get the full card on that, I think. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Tough week ahead, tough week ahead. Tough week for Kelly, tough week for Millwall. <laughs> let's see where we are this time next week on that front. Now, let's move on to some of the other news that's been knocking about this week. Um, obviously, we had a midweek win over Wickham in the... I keep calling it the League Cup. I'm showing my age, Charlie. It's, uh, it's Capital One. I, think I called it the Carling Cup at one point in the week. It's the Capital yeah, it One. Yeah, keeps changing. It's still the Milk Cup to me. It's so. the Cup and the Rumbelows Cup, and there's yeah. been a few others. But we've got a draw, home draw against Southampton, um, two weeks time. Um, only two stands going to be open for it. That's the CBL end and the Kitch stand, um, which surprised me. I thought it might have got drawn a bigger crowd, but um, I think the club were expecting something in the region of seven to 8,000, so Premier League opposition, but not the draw that you might have imagined. No, and I can't really see Southampton being up for this game. Um, they're very depleted in their squad. I mean, everyone knows what sort of a nightmare they've had on the transfer market this summer, so I would yeah. be surprised if we see anything other than a team of kids playing against us. I suppose it'd be whoever Liverpool let them play, really, against us. <laughs> we've got to give permission for, to, to field, you know. That's on August the 26th, I think, day after the bank holiday. Cheap tickets for that one as well, if anyone's listening and want to come down. Um, CBL End and Kitchener, Barry Kitchener Stand, both open for that. Um, the midweek game was notable for one thing, and that was the sending off the double yellow card for Matthew Briggs and his shirtless celebration. Because uh, I think they're the only yellow cards we've attracted in the two league games, isn't it? Um, That's right, yeah. I think for the Mad Free today, and we didn't have any. So. No, um, and it was just interesting. Clearly... Holloway has made a thing of the of the discipline of the side, rightly so, because I think he made the point last year that if you don't have 11 men on the pitch, you're probably not going to win the game. I, I thought he was younger than he actually is. I, I, I thought he was a youth player, but he's about 25. So, you know, at that age, you, you're starting to have expectations that you've got some maturity in the, in the way you play the game. It's bizarre, really. I mean, I could sort of understand it if he'd taken his shirt off in celebration after scoring against someone in the league, someone quite big, but we're talking Wickham at home in the Capital One Cup, and it just makes very little sense. And it's funny that you mentioned that, because I would have put it down to the exuberance of youth as well, but I did not realise that he was in his mid-twenties. But there we are. Silly, I think uh, he's going to be disciplined by Ian Holloway, rightly so, because that was that was a pointless, purposeless... Uh, yeah, I was, told, I was told Holloway gave him a right bollock in when he came off the other night, and uh, it's just... Silly little things like that need to be corrected because they can really be the difference in quite important games. Yeah. It's just trying to instil the message into them that you should conduct yourself even in the minor matches as, as you would, you know, in a semi-final of a cup or something like that. You've, you've got to, you've really got to sort of have a mature head on your shoulders regardless of your age. Yeah, I mean, there's there's Tim Cahill removing his shirt when he scores a winning goal in the semi-final of the FA Cup to send us to Wembley and then there's 
Matthew Briggs putting one past Wickham in the round one of the Carling Cup, the, the, Car the Capital One Cup. Yeah, well, I think again. it's interesting. I, I wonder how much managers try and tell their players not to do it full stop, really, but there is that element of just being in the moment and, and not really considering what you're doing because the goal you might have scored is that monumental. I think some players are just thick, aren't they, basically? But there we are, that's, that's life, Jim. Well, majority of them probably. <laughs> <laughs> my next on my agenda, I've got bye-bye Bywater, bye-bye Bywater, the, the dearly departed Stephen's gone to Gillingham on loan. Um, they can keep him. They honestly. can keep him, they can have him. I think one or two have even promised to pay his train fare down there. So, um, not not much loved, was he, Stephen Bywater? He was always, always tainted by the West Ham Association. Um, but I think probably worse, not a great goalkeeper, in my opinion. He was he, he was never um, he was never impressive, was he? No, I don't rate him in the slightest. But uh, I'm just glad he was there as a backup keeper and never out number one. And I, I don't think Pete would have tolerated it if he was brought in as a replacement for Ford or anything like that. So, I mean, it's quite difficult to have a. a decent standard of backup keeper now because it doesn't tend to be a position that people spend a lot of money on to be fair so whoever's sort of sitting on the bench isn't going to be anywhere near as good as your first choice No I suppose the problem arises where your main main first choice goalkeeper gets injured and then you know you're, you're falling back on probably now We've got youth, the youth goalkeeper. I can't think of his name. Gerard, something like that. Denzel. Denzel Gerard. Gen yeah. Denzel Gerard. Um, and we're probably going to be relying on him certainly for a couple of games until somebody more experienced can be brought in. But then I guess there's a pool of players out there that are pretty much permanently either out of work or between jobs, aren't they? You know, so you, you know, goalkeeping, you probably think you can cover that quite quickly and quite easily. Yeah, it'd be a similar situation to when we bought Mike Taylor in a few years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I don't just think otherwise looking at the striking department for his acquisitions at the end of this window I think he might add a few more faces to the squad and would not be surprised in the slightest if one of them's a goalkeeper So bye 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 Walter um, you were never really loved at the den I think you knew you weren't really loved there was one I think that the highlight of his middle career was when he allegedly chinned Andy Keogh didn't he there was a rumour of a, of a play a training ground bust up and um Bywater was rumoured to be some kind of karate expert and he allegedly chinned Andy Keogh, which briefly boosted his ratings on, online. I remember the geezer getting um, one of the Sheffield Wednesday players in a headlock as well when we played them at home last year. Yeah. Um, he's a big player as well. I think he was well over sort of 6'2". So he went up in my estimation there, but alas, he, he'll always be a bit of a West Ham cunt, to be honest. Au revoir, au revoir. Adieu. Millwall Player Committee. Now, this is a strange little story. I've picked this up from the news at Den, Charlie. Um, there's a Millwall Players Committee. It's like a, I don't know if it's like a union committee or something, but they take grumbles and gripes to Ian Holloway, who then considers the, the grumbles and the gripes and either says yes or no. And, and this week was notable for the Millwall Player Committee winning the freedom for some to stay at a hotel in town or some to stay at home. It was quite a strange request, I thought. I don't know if you saw the story. Yeah, I read up on that, and I think I think Holloway was just talking about the fact that he wants everything to go through the official channels if players are yeah. questioning certain decisions. So I'm not entirely sure this is the sign of a mutiny within the squad. I just think he wants there to be a, a dialogue whenever there are disagreements rather than you know players taking it out on... The performances, or you know, I'm going AWOL and putting in transfer requests and things like that. 
I think that the, the, this was that I'm going to guess that some of the younger players probably wanted to stay in town <clears throat> after the game and probably get out on the source in the West End. Some of the more mature players wanted to go home back to wives and families. I'm guessing. So those that wanted to stay in town could, and those that wanted to go home could, rather than being an on-block either-or type of thing. So um, the, the Mill Player Committee has, has requested this freedom to, to make a choice, and um, Ian Holloway's been able to say yes to that. So um, it'd be interesting to see what else they request over, or whether we'd be told about any other requests. Yeah, you just hope it doesn't set a dangerous precedent, really. Yeah, it depends what else they're asking for. Who knows what they might ask for in time? We'll see. Um, what else have I got here? Um, Matt Smith signing to- hopes to take a dive. <clears throat> this is an on-off thing, isn't it? We'd keep, we were speaking earlier on about the, the need for a quality strike, and I, I personally thought Matt Smith, the lead striker last week, looked like the, the part. You know, opinions do vary. Do, do you like him as a striker, Charlie? Uh, he definitely had something about him when he came on. I thought his, his finishing didn't look great. I think he missed a couple of quite simple opportunities, but he definitely gave Leeds another dimension when he came on as a substitute last week. Um, he's not a bad player. He's, his record is decent. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would question is, is he a bit too similar to Fuller? Because I didn't realise how much of a lump he was, actually, until I saw him last no. week. I mean, that was what crossed my mind, actually, when, you know, having watched Fuller probably with interest for the first time last week. And then seeing Matt Smith also really with interest for the first time as he was rumoured to be a summertime target and still spoken about as a target now. But they do look very similar as players, don't they? And, and you're right, both strong, big lumps, but neither especially dangerous in front of goal. Yeah, but I think he was an unused substitute um, for Leeds today, so that might fuel yeah. all of the speculation, although obviously he was rumoured to have been offered a new contract this week, so... I don't know what to make of it, really. All I know is that it's just becoming a bit of a saga. Yeah, I mean, the, the storyline, I mean, obviously it might play out this week as, as, as um, we're getting into the meat of the season now. Leeds is a, is a madhouse, isn't it? I mean, the, you know, the, the people in charge there, I don't think, um, you know, it seems to lurch from one thing to another day by day, so who knows whether Smith is part of their plans or not. Morrison was spoken about as a possible comeback as well, but that seems to be, you know, um, a little remote now. But we shall see. Um, I, I quite like the look of Matt Smith, but if we didn't have Ricardo Fuller up front, I, th- I just think we need a, a second, nippier, smaller striker to feed off of the work that Fuller's doing at the moment. And I guess Matt Smith would do if he was in, in his place. Yeah, it goes back to what James was saying on Twitter as well. I think, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not pinning all my hopes on it being Matt Smith, but it, if it's the difference between us signing another striker and sticking with what we've got, then I, I definitely want him to come in. Awesome. All right, we're going to close this piece now with a, it was a slightly wider story than Millwall. It was one that popped up in a week. I don't know if you saw it, but the Premier League are trying to crack down on people vining these, um, these are six-second video loops, um, vining goals from, from TV. Um, I don't know how much of a problem this is. I mean, I don't know how this actually damages Premier League or Sky TV profits, but they seem to be quite hot on it. They seem to want to come down hard on those that do this. Have you ever vined, Charlie? Do, do you vine, mate? Um, I have an account, but I can't say I ever actually produced a vine. Okay. And I haven't really got much intention of doing so, <laughs> to be honest. But I think um, one of the reasons why they might be contesting the goals is because they make money out of um, certain apps that you can subscribe to that right. give you the goals on a Saturday evening. And if people are aware of the fact they're going to be able to get them on Twitter or Vine or whatever, then I think they're just going to have a bit of money. But Generally, I think it is bollocks. I think they should be encouraging fan interaction 
with you know the Premier League brand, and obviously they're just totally money orientated, and I think it's it's horrendous to be fair. You're right. I suppose the apps where you can get instant or quick playback of the the goals and highlights. I suppose that's where this will hit them. I was trying to work out how this exactly damages the the Premier League brand, the Sky TV brand, or whatever else you want to call it. But I guess that's that's the area of damage, isn't it? If you can vine a goal that you've just seen on TV within, I guess, seconds of it actually happening, you could have it uploaded quite fast. Yeah, and I I think um, it's it's just a nonsensical example of how the game's being sanitised for the sake of making, you know, profit. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get too political about it, but it, it just, it's, it's sad, really. It's quite pathetic, but that's the way it's going, unfortunately. Yeah. Whose game is it? That's, that's, the, that's the philosophical. We're going to come back to that later in the season. Whose game is it, anyway? All right, mate, that's fantastic. I'm going to let you go and have a beer now and put your feet up. You've had a hard day. We've had a hard day. I'm going to go and have myself a scotch and fantastic stuff, Charlie. Really Brilliant. appreciate your time, Nick. mate. No, my pleasure. Speak to, you, speak to you soon. Yeah, speak to you soon, Nick. Cheers. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. Calling out to Millwall. Leave your Millwall messages at 02-08-14-4023-2. Hello, Nick. All right, mate. Um, yeah, just going to talk about the Fulham game uh, with CJ. Uh, half of Craig Jones and Naomi Pathway. Absolutely amazing win tonight. Uh, really didn't think that we'd actually pull off such an effort like that. At all, um, Sean Williams is one of the most underrated uh, midfielders that I've seen. He really did put in a hell of a shift, as did Lee Martin. Now Lee Martin didn't have fun off his bollocks today. Uh, he's run his bollocks off so much he probably started calling himself Kelly Maloney. Uh, all I can say is that it's an absolute massive result. We played from the right time. We're looking a bit nervous. Uh, to be fair, I would say that. Fulham had a couple of players that really did kind of trouble us a lot, especially their uh, number 14. He's only 17 year old called Patrick Roberts. Uh, I'd say definitely look out for him late in the season. He'll be an absolute star one day, definitely not for Fulham. But overall, Orgazes, thank you so much to Holly and all the players who played today for putting on a hell of a game, a hell of a result, and a hell of a performance. And let's just carry this. Great little run that we've got going. Undefeated streak of, if you include pre-season results in cup games, 13, 14 games, I think, we're undefeated. Uh, yeah, just carry it on. And here's, uh, here's uh, knocking one over, Sheffield Wednesday. Call you, Lawrence. Hello. My name is Paul Glassborough. I post at Hampton Week on Mill Online and the Persian on Hoff. I'd like to say hello to all my friends out there, especially Mr. LS75. I don't know why you think I'm somebody I ain't, but I am Mr. Persian. Will you please not be rude to me? Anyway, today at Fulham, my day went rather well. I slipped over 
drove my way out to Arctic getting egged by some young chaps in Fulham shirts. So I'd like to wish you all a lovely weekend. I'll see you next week. Yeah, this is Large Eddie. Can I have uh, eight pancake rolls, please, mate? Nice one. Oh, good, 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 good evening, that Kung Milk. It's Nigel, the Mill fan, calling in again. Tremendous, and today again, terrific result for the Lions. Really, 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 really enjoyable day. Like a lot of my Millwall fans, my my day started out this morning at uh, very early at about ten o'clock, ten o'clock in, in Greenwich this morning, as I was travelling to uh, to C- 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 Craven Cottage by 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 Boris bike. Um, it took me a good, uh, good two and a half hours to get there, as I, as I kept getting my slacks caught in the chain. But finally, finally, finally managed to get there. I stopped for a um, a. Uh, a, a real owl in a in a in a pub a pub a pub over there. Um, funny old place. Cause I, I I walked into the pub and 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 it was a wash. It was actually full, completely full of six foot three inch Jamaicans. And I said to the landlord, "This there's a lot of uh, six foot three inch Jamaicans in here." The landlord said to me, "That's because it's safe for Fuller's pub." Um, that's my that's my little joke um, in relation to our centre forward. Of course, um, I do have a sense of humour, contrary to to what people say say about me. But um um yes, I only had the one point so I don't like to get well two reasons really I don't like to get uh, too tipsy before a game and, and, and the other reason is 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 because it was because it was four four pounds fucking fifty a pint. Um very very expensive over there in in, 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 in that part in that part of town. But uh, onto the game and, and you know I thought I thought we all played played very well. We we defended defended very well. Full full full. He was excellent. Um, very well taken goal that we got. Um, the one the one uh, the one downside for me really um, is the the away end at, at, at Fulham. Not not such a not such a good view. Great great view of the pitch, but from a point of view of of of, of, of spotting the planes coming coming into Heathrow. Um, I don't know if any of our fans noticed, but. Um, but uh, the, 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 the plane was the plane was plane, the planes were coming into our left. It was a 90 degree turn of the, of the head, uh, and you could only really see the tail end. I was hoping it was a bit nearer to 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 uh, to Heathrow. We would see the undercarriage coming on, out underneath the plane as it approached Heathrow. But uh, but nevertheless, mate, my mate, maybe um, Brentford will be the, the, the better day out. But. Um, that, that, that's, that's my that's my summing summing up summing up of the day. Nice to speak to you again. Uh, all at uh, Actung Millwall. Um, over and out. Oh, oh, now then, Nick, it's your friend Jimmy here. Jingle jangle. Now then, I have a letter here that says, "Dear Jim, can you fix it for me to stop them nasty Millwall fans from trawling to Ellen Road?" Oh, oh, jingle jangle from Rob of Leeds. Well, Rob, I'm not a fucking miracle worker. This is Steve from Bromley. I'm just driving home after the 1-0 win over Wickham Wanderers in the Capital One Cup. Um, overall, OK performance from Millwall, but nothing brilliant, can't be said. I thought Wickham stretched us at times and on occasions had good chances to score. A better team probably would have done that. Um, Millwall... It felt strangely, 
scored a good goal to, to, to take the one nil through Briggs, who then lost on a second yellow card. Um, and strangely, we looked better with 10 men. We seemed to pass the ball better and find more space. So there's something odd there. Um, work to be done by Ian Holloway and the boys, I think, after that performance. It was not um, a par performance for Millwall. And certainly against the better side tonight, then we might have been expected to have been punished. As it is, we, we're through to the second round. We'll see who we draw in the second round of the Cup. Hopefully a big team at home. Um, and otherwise, well done to, uh, to the squad for, for getting through tonight. Thanks a lot. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. War minus the shooting. I don't like listening to those kinds of chants. It's a part of the game that I don't enjoy and is something that we could all well do without. It turns my stomach at times. It will be difficult because you only have to look at the hatred on some supporters, and not just ours, but all around the country. All clubs have got them, and it's frightening at times. Whose words are those? Well, despite being very similar to his extraordinary outburst at the post-match press conference on the opening day 2-0 win over Leeds, they're actually not by Ian Holloway. Note that quote was in fact from Neil Warnock speaking in 2012 after Leeds fans had dished out strong abuse towards Sheffield Wednesday manager of the time, Dave Jones. Holloway, of course, spoke out after Millwall fans dished out some Jimmy Savile references in the direction of the away end, much to the disdain of a Mill manager, who was reported by the news at Den website as saying, I didn't like the banter, to be honest. I don't think that's respectful. I really don't. Let's stop and think about what he, i.e. Savile, has actually done. That's the most important thing, and we don't see that. This, oh, it's a bit of banter isn't funny, is it? I don't think so. Nobody likes a laugh more than me, but I'm respectful. It goes over and above what football is about, and to me that is obscene. Strong words. But here's the rub. Holloway, Warnock and others are, in the cold light of day, correct. None of this kind of abuse is exactly nice, and in truth isn't something that 99.9% of us would say in real life. Football, though... No matter how much it tries to sanitise itself at the Premier League level, certainly deals in the theatre of cruelty. And there's no bear pit quite like the den when there's a tasty side in town, is there? That's why we go there. You might not like to hear some of this stuff in polite society, but it's hard not to acknowledge its primal power. A few thousand lunatics chanting that Jimmy Savile was the father of the Leeds fans' collective mothers may not be to Holloway's taste, it might not be to yours and mine taste. But it certainly shut them up, and it certainly took them out of the game as a factor last Saturday. Because there you have it in a nutshell. Big bad leads bully their way around the game, all except at one place. And at that place, they're just another crap northern side who would rather be anywhere but at Zampa Road. Like it or not, that's the reality. Now when did this kind of vile so-called chanting begin? Actually, it has a long history. Although it's harder to find prior to the segregation of fans that gradually took hold in the game during the 1970s. The first time that I can recall hearing of any vile chanting was in 1974, during Manchester United's brief sojourn in the old Division 2. And this occurred during their away game at Cardiff, in Indian Park. There, their references to the 1968 Aberfan disaster 
in which over 140 young children died in a Welsh mining village, caused shockwaves that to a degree live on to this day. There may have been other distasteful chants in the game prior to that, but the internet certainly doesn't record them. It does mention the Abba Van chanting, though. And then the Cardiff reply of Munich, referring, of course, to the 1958 air crash, in which the flower of united and English talent perished in the snows of Germany. So, if I was to pick one moment where vile chanting began, it was there, 40 years ago in Cardiff, started by Manchester United fans. That said, my own abiding memory of Cold Blow Lane in those years was of a rather more personal abuse being dished out towards players, and rather less towards fans on these kinds of subjects. Maybe it was just that the away fans didn't come to Mill in those days, not in large numbers inside the ground anyway. But if they did, and some did, a physical fight broke out. A sharp contrast with today, where so much of football supporting has a kind of cartoon quality about it, something far removed from the days of my youth. These days, Hillsborough, the beheading of Ken Bigley, the Jewish Holocaust gas chambers, and all manner of sexual allegations, true and untrue, are nowadays seen deemed okay to chant about by King Mob. Liverpool, Spurs, West Ham and Millwall, all do it. None are immune. Ian Holloway might not like it. You and I might not like it. But football has long been a vehicle for life's darker side. Certainly as the game moved from being the teenage hooligan territory of the 1970s into the much safer but far more corporate world of the 1990s, so the need for shock chanting seems to have increased. As the opportunities for real brawling has been designed out of the game, so the young male's instinct for tribal warfare has had to mutate into finding ever more extreme thrills to sing about. Maybe we're all so far removed from real danger nowadays that we feel the need to make our impact verbally, rather than with our fists. Although if anyone wants some real violence, then why not join the army? There's plenty of wars around the world these days. Just a thought. Speaking as a Millwall fan who doesn't indulge in this kind of sick humour, but who had to laugh despite himself at the sheer chutzpah of the Mick Philpot chanting at Derby last season, I could only say it's part of the win-at-all-costs mentality of professional sports. As much as Holloway might not want to hear it, top-level football has never been about fair play, nor any kind of romantic idea of the game being more than the clubs. Fuck that, no, it's about winning. From Ferguson and Marino's mind games through to Leeds being a town full of nonces, the mindset is the same. Win at all costs and do whatever you can to make that happen. There is also a very real psychological phenomenon here that we're all affected by, namely the group mentality. Now, who amongst us has never felt the odd, almost divine sense of being merged in with a mob and losing your identity? As much as music, literature and films sing the virtues of being an individual... The human mind is a sucker for falling prey to the influence of the group. From North Korea to Nuremberg rallies, everyone could be carried away by the sound of the crowd. George Orwell, the author of 1984 and the creator of the concept of the daily three-minute hate session, once said that serious sport has nothing to do with fair play. It is bound up with hatred, jealousy and boastfulness, a disregard of all rules and a sadistic pleasure in witnessing violence. In other words, it is war minus the shooting. Now, I doubt very much that George Orwell was a Millwall fan. With that one line, I think he showed that he knew way more about us than maybe he realised. Ian Holloway's a well-meaning man and a decent football manager. But the idea that football can or should try to rid itself of this is naive. In fact, I would suggest that vile chanting will never go away, much as FIFA, UEFA and Sky TV might wish it. 
it seems that, like it or not, it is a fundamental consequence of the game being cast as a pretend gladiatorial arena. A spectacle without any real danger, but with lots of nasty words, some horrid sounds, and 90 minutes of fury. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here.